Persuasion on Netflix is a brand new Jane Austen adaptation that tells the story of Anne Elliot, who is a 27-year-old woman considered to be over the hill by Austen standards. Eight years prior, she turned down a proposal from a dashing but poor sailor. But now he's made his riches and returns and is unable to forgive her for what she did to him back then. This is pretty much standard Austinian hijinks, I think. Although this adaptation borrows a leaf from Bridgerton in that it foregoes the whiteness of the era and employs a lot more diversity in its casting. The cast runs the gamut and is across the spectrum. And this version of Persuasion tries to be something of a modern take on Austen while still maintaining its Regency era setting. Now, before I get into my little rant, I'm going to ask Bahe what he thought about this movie. Okay. Um, I, I thought the movie was fine. I mean, it was a little boring, but I don't know the source material and I thought it was fine while I duck under the table as you throw stuff at me. It was garbage. It was absolute utter garbage. And let me tell you why, Bahe. <laughs> there are multiple reasons why this movie was garbage. Okay. Boring being the least offensive of the lot. Okay. So the original Persuasion, Jane Austen novel, it had an adaptation, a BBC adaptation in 1995 that was pretty good. It also had an ITV adaptation in 2007. Also not bad. It is one of those Austen novels that people don't necessarily tackle. It was her last novel, and it's somewhat different from Sense and Sensibility and Pride and Prejudice and Emma. This one is a lot more pensive. It is a lot harder to adapt, and it is a lot harder for even readers to get into. That said, it is probably one of her strongest works because what makes Austen so adaptable and so universal is that she was a thoroughly modern writer. And so the kind of topics she tackled back then still apply to today, which is why these half past six writers can actually <laughs> try and modernize this movie in a sense and still make it work because Austin herself was a thoroughly modern writer. That's it. It's like they've not read the novel. Anne Elliot isn't Lizzie Bennet. She isn't Emma. She isn't the quirky, sarky, snappy heroine. This is a very different heroine. And for some reason, maybe they thought, oh, that's not what viewers, TV and movie viewers might expect from Austin. So we're going to impose some of the qualities of those other characters onto Anne Elliot. Because here you have Dakota Johnson going all fleabag, talking to the camera, being all sarky and witty, which completely undermines the fact that she's a pensive character who would get easily persuaded by her family not to marry this guy. Thus the fucking title, Persuasion. When you hear Dakota Johnson keep talking at the camera and making quippy remarks about her annoying family, you're like, no, this is a confident young woman. Surely she's not going to be swayed by some other woman who tells her, don't marry this poor sailor. You're not going to believe that. You're not going to believe that she's just someone who will get walked right over. No, 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 no. Everything about Anne Elliot is wrong. 
in this movie. They completely missed the point of the fucking character. I will say they did miss the point of the flea bag looking at camera thing. Yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> completely. Yeah. I mean, it's like they watched that show and went, oh, you know what would be really funny and modern? Let's do this. But uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge uses that with great effect. Here, she just looks at the camera as an alternative to a fucking voiceover narration. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the problem, right? Like, for me, it all falls down in the writing. And again, I haven't read the book. I'm not a Jane Austen reader, so I don't know the style. I don't know what the author's flavor is and what her language is like. But in this, the Dakota Johnson character looks at the camera to do setup. She looks at the camera to tell inside jokes. She looks at the camera to be able to snark at the people around her without snarking at the people around her. Whereas in Fleabag, the looking at the camera is used as an alternative to... In a novel, it'll be what she's thinking. In a comic book, it will be the sort of thought bubble. That makes sense. It's a translation of a literary device for film, for TV. Exactly. In Fleabag, Phoebe Waller-Bridge uses it as a weapon. It's a different thing that her character does to connect with the audience. Here, it's just so that Dakota Johnson can look at the camera, twinkle in her eye and wink, wink. And it just feels like, doesn't add anything. It also feels like they went, oh, you know, actually, nobody likes a VO. A VO is really cheap in cinema. So let's find a way to do it differently. And so all they do is get her to narrate the film to camera because that means modern and contemporary and cool. No, it does not. In fact, all it does is it reminds you of those early 90s BBC shows where there is a narrator running along. Because it reminds you that that was how it was done before. This is how they're doing it now. The storytelling device was lame then. Even lamer now, it doesn't help. Their writing doesn't prop up the reasons for Dakota Johnson's character to look at the camera and make a snarky comment, a joke about her sister. They want to go modern and they want to modernize the language, but they don't lean into it. Instead, they try and slip in the occasional one-liner as if it means something. There is a line when they're having lunch, dinner, or whatever, where someone goes, a five in London means you're a ten in Bath, which is this quippy, meme-worthy lines that get thrown in throughout the film. Like she picks a stack of sheet music and she goes, oh, this is a playlist he made me. And all of that's fine yeah. and cute, but you don't actually lean into it. Dickinson on Apple TV+, Plus, they leaned into the modernity of the language mm. and the character because of this whole idea of Emily Dickinson being a modern, contemporary character. And they pulled it off incredibly well. Why? Because they had clever writers. Here, it's like a bunch of people sat in front of Twitter and went, Hey, I'm Steve Buscemi, young people. What are you guys up to? It is awful. Like, I was so angry throughout this film. There was one line where Dakota Johnson's character goes, oh, uh, when referring to Henry Golding, he, she goes, oh, he's a 10. I don't trust a 10. I'm like, mm, that kind of feels a little ripped from headlines. Well, not even headlines, ripped from TikTok for no reason. And it just doesn't translate. It doesn't do anything for the story. It doesn't do anything for the time. It's a cute thing that falls flat on its face. Even the production, right? is so boring. We've seen what Bridgerton can do with the era when it's trying to be slick and rich and cool and modern. And this production feels like it's just 
standard fare. It feels like they found just another Regency era house somewhere in England and shot it there. That's all. There is nothing exceptional about the framing. There is nothing exceptional about the way this is shot. There is nothing exceptional about this movie. Like everyone feels to be going through the motions. There is zero romance. There is zero chemistry between any of these characters. Golding is actually having the most fun and he might be the best thing in this film, which I didn't think I would say because he's been pretty terrible in a lot of his other post-Crazy Rich Asian work. But he is awesome in this and he is fun in this. To be fair, even in Crazy Rich Asians, he plays the same character, right? He, he plays does. the same character as Crazy Rich Asians as he did with that Christmas movie with What's Her Name and What's Her Name. I don't want to talk down to Henry Golding's abilities in front of the camera, but it kind of feels like this is what you get with Henry Golding, right? And it just doesn't feel like it's enough anymore. I don't think it's his fault. I think he's got a great agent for constantly booking him work. I just wish they'd book him different work and better work. Interesting work. Interesting yeah. work, right? Exactly. I also wish he'd give interviews to the Malaysian media because he seems to be ignoring the Malaysian media like for the longest time and we don't know why. That would be interesting to find out why he picks this work, but we'll never know. But Golding seems to be having fun as a moustache-twirling villain without the moustache. However, the production is so piss-poor that he's a villain. You know why, Bahe? Because he's always dressed in black. Always dressed in black. Well, there's a line there that they explain that away, but it just feels a bit easy. It feels cheap. The line feels cheap. Even Henry Golding's air quotes villain feels like the writer didn't have enough guts to sort of lean into his villainy. I don't know the book. Is he more villainous in the book? Because here he feels a bit more like a nice guy. Here he kind of explains his plan, his cunning plan. But it's done in a very, ha ha ha, I'm a sneaky nice guy way. As opposed yeah. to the book where he's a two-faced asshole. Like he's wooing right. Anne on the one hand. But on the other, he's got some pretty strong, miserable feelings towards the rest of her family. And none of that is actually explored in this film at all. No, not at all. I mean, if you watch this, you go, yeah, Henry Golding's a fine guy. Oh, look, he's with someone else instead. Haha, <laughs> jokes. You know, hijinks. <laughs> they had a better love triangle in the fucking kissing booth, la, okay? And that movie was terrible. But they had a better love triangle there. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't, I didn't feel the love triangle. Because Henry Golding was in it for so little... I think he's in it for like maybe four scenes, five scenes. And he only shows up like an hour into it. Yeah, literally he's got a handful of scenes. And in the end, you're just go like, oh, no, it was... And you know what? None of it feels planned with Henry Golding's character. It just feels like he fell into it. He's now sort of worked out a cunning new plan where he gets to keep his title. Ha ha ha, move on. He shows up. We have no idea why Wentworth's pissed off with him. He's just on a hill, walking. And suddenly Wentworth is like, Who are you? How rude? How dare you? And I'm like, wait, what is going on? He didn't do anything. What just happened right What now? just happened? And here's the thing, right? That scene, like immediately I was thinking to myself, maybe they knew of each other before. Maybe, maybe Captain Frederick Wentworth had a run-in with him before and doesn't trust him from the past. Nope, they've never met. Nope. Cool. Alrighty then. No past. This isn't Bridget Jones's no. diary. This isn't Pride and Prejudice. There is no past yeah. to these characters. No. Nope. He just doesn't like present, the cut sure. of his jib. That is all it is, right? None of this is explained. And then, and then, there are all these pointless title cards. Because, you know, 
The Russo brothers use them. Big words to tell you where you are. Oh, look, we're in lime. Despite the fact that five seconds earlier, they say, hey, we're going to lime. Don't need a fucking title card for that. A lot of this movie feels like it's there for cool factor, right? The title cards, which initially I thought was a cool thing to do until they overdid it. You tell me Dakota Johnson's character is going to go visit her sister in wherever, wherever her estate is. I don't then literally in the next scene need a title card of that estate. I don't need a title card when characters say they're going to the seaside town of Lyme just after they say they're going to a seaside town. I I don't need it. Everything here is so fucking jarring, right? The dialogue is jarring. Those title cards are jarring. And also because they're trying to impose modernity onto something but not do it properly, not do it completely. When Mm. characters go, I'm an empath or I'm thriving and use language like that in a Regency era show, then you've got to follow what they did in Dickinson and lean into it and make it something. Hell, just watch a few episodes of The Great. Watch a few episodes of Bridgerton, right? They do it so much better. And the problem with that is it becomes not just anachronistic, but it becomes you lose the way of the characters because of it. And so mm-hmm. I think that's part yeah. of the reason why the writing feels so shoddy because they're trying to shoe on all of this stuff. Then they forget like the true North, which is the source material. Like when I'm reading Persuasion, yeah. there is a reason Jane Austen crafts Anne Elliot in that way because the character has to do something, has to be something before you get to that third act, before you get to that those final chapters of the book where there is some change, some growth, some revelation. That's the point of literature. You create these characters and you believe that they are this way. You believe that the decisions they've made are because of who they are and how they are. In this one, when she's talking to the camera, she's one character. When she's dealing with her parents, she's another character. And sure, Mm. I can accept that characters have different inner lives and so on and so forth. And maybe she's not brave enough to confront the family in the way she does in her inner life. But none of that is explained. That's not actually a thing in this movie. That's something I have to make up to justify the shitty writing of this movie. A big problem is that she doesn't grow. She doesn't even start off as an unlikable character. She starts off as a character who has accepted her lot in life in the decisions that she's made, rightly or wrongly. But she doesn't then, at the end of the movie, discover that, oh, that was a wrong thing to do. She doesn't, at the end of the movie, discover her voice and become a different person and marries the person she loves. There's no change here. She just stumbles onto, oh, look, it has now worked out for me. Congratulations. Also, at any point, Bahir, did you believe that Wentworth was still truly angry with her? Because the idea of Frederick Wentworth is that he's in love with her, but he's also pissed off because she rejected him all of those years ago, primarily because he was a poor sailor. Yeah. And in this, there is maybe one conversation by the lake where he kind of goes, oh, I wouldn't trust her because she has these airs about her and, you know, You can't really trust what she's saying. And that's it. But the problem is, even that didn't feel genuine. It felt like he was trying to convince uh, the lady that he was trying to woo of these things. It was just things he was saying. There was a slightly cold dinner sequence just before that, which was a little cute, but pointless. Prior to that in their meeting, again, 
cute but pointless. None of it sort of delivers any real emotion. Half the time, I was sitting there thinking, is Frederick Wentworth actually in love with her or is this just a an easy arrangement for him? Something that you mentioned when we were talking on the phone earlier today, there is no chemistry between these two. I don't feel a real sense of love, emotion, lust, anything, romance between these two. They're just two characters. And I don't even feel hate, you know? Like, there are movies where the two leads start off hating each other and then that emotion right. sort of grows, evolve into love. And that those are great films. There's none of that. Classic rom-com trope, right? Absolutely, right? Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks have made that their bread and butter. There's nothing here. We are told that there's a history between them. We are told that that one of them hates the other, but secretly they both love each other, but not so secret, but everybody knows, but nobody knows. It just feels like, cool, this is a movie that is... This is one of those films where people were sitting around going, eh, you know, Anne Elliot, is she like Phoebe Waller-Bridge and Fleabag? No, she's not. You have completely misread this entire situation. I can understand when you think, oh... Emma's so modern, we're going to do a high school take on it in Clueless. Fantastic. It works. That character is translatable. Wonderful. This one, no, 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 no. And the problem, of course, is if you're too scared to make a Regency era drama and double down on it, then yeah. you just have to watch the new adaptation of Emma, which is also mm. on Netflix. And that is absolutely fantastic. They went down the traditional route and they did it so incredibly well and it still feels fucking modern. Can I just say, if you haven't read the book Persuasion, if you don't know anything about Jane Austen, this movie is fine. It is absolutely middle ground, run-of-the-mill Netflix rom-com. But it's rom -com. not even fine because it's so boring, dude. Like, there's no love, sex, romance, lust. There's nothing. I agree with you, but it was So I think fine. it's less than fine. Oh, uh, I think it was. I mean, I wasn't angry watching this. Granted, I was playing with my phone the entire time. I was time. just going to say, how many <laughs> times were you looking at your phone, the reading an article on the New York time. Times, The entire tweeting. time. I exactly. Wasn't, the reason this movie was fine is because it didn't anger me. And that, I grant, is probably because I don't know the source material. That said, if you were looking for a romance period drama because you love the genre. No, this would make you genuinely angry. There sure. are so many yeah. better ones out there. Absolutely. Like, watch yeah. the 1995 BBC version, watch the ITV 2007 version. But yes, unfortunately, Persuasion is still screaming out for a great adaptation. There is There are other things that are wrong with this film. The editing is terrible as well because the story doesn't breathe at all. They just kind of jump from moment to moment to moment to moment. And some of those jumps don't even make any sense because you don't know how the characters got from one place to the next. At one moment, Anne's best friend is saying, ah, I would love you to get together with Wentworth. He is so perfect for you. And literally in the next scene, she is flirting shamelessly with him. So there is no, there is no connective tissue between those scenes to make you feel for any of these characters. That's a perfect example. You don't know if... Anne's best friend or and or sister-in-law is being sneaky about it. You don't know if she is playing Anne on one hand and then sort of trying to get Captain Friedrich Wentworth on the other or she's being genuine. You don't know any of these things. It just happens and you get whiplash thinking about it. This is not a modern girl power story. You can't force that 
into it, right? Persuasion is a good story for different reasons. That's what you should make it. Mm. And even if you want to do a modern retelling, a lot of those lessons still apply to today. They just read the wrong lessons when making this film, which is incredibly disappointing because it's such a great book. And Jane Austen fans, Bahe, are like fucking Snyder bros, okay? Like, even when Dakota Johnson was cast, they lost their shit. And now let me tell you, I love Dakota Johnson with all of my heart. And she is the only thing that is preventing this movie from just being a total garbage fire. Because she's charming and witty and funny. And that's fine. It's just not the character of Anne, right? So the Jane Austen fans, let's call them Austen Nazis, okay? Are just... (laughs) Fucking hardcore. I haven't gone down an internet rabbit hole or a YouTube rabbit hole to see how they've reacted to this movie. I love Jane Austen. I'm not even close to that. And it's made me physically like repulsed. I would love to see what they think about this because it is it is just so bad. I will keep you posted if I see stuff on Twitter because that's a weird one. Yeah, I think you need to go down the Twitter, the Austin Twitter rabbit hole. Like, whatever that subreddit is, I'm sure it exists. Yeah, I'm sure. <sighs> well, Persuasion, unfortunately, is currently streaming on Netflix. Do yourself a favor and skip it. But if you have already seen it, let us know what you think. You can reach out on all of our social media feeds, GogglerMY. You can also email us on podcast at goggler.my or send us a WhatsApp on the Goggler hotline, 012-524-5208. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Goggler Podcast.